What is going on, my people of Somewhat Supernatural? This is Lord Scoobius Maximus, as I shall now forever be known as, bringing you episode 11 of Somewhat Supernatural. And today, I want to introduce you to my special guest co-host, my brother from another mother, the man, the myth, the motherfucking legend himself, Ben DeLeon of the Recycled Corn Podcast. What's going on, brother? Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, uh, this oh, is, thanks for being here, bro. This is an honor. It's the first time I've shown my face on uh, live internet TV. So, Well, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a face made for violence and porn. But radio. Well, you know that too. All right, what's up, Joseph? We got our first viewer, Joseph Moreno. What's going on, buddy? So Ben hey, Joseph. Yes, sir. Tell my I, you know, you're you're in the chat all the time. Of course, I know you. You're one of my really good friends. But there are there may be people out there who don't know anything about you. So give us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I'm a tourist and I'm really into cuticle care. Uh, <laughs> now, I was uh, born here, raised here, um, joined the Army right after high school, came back and started my family. Um, uh, once divorced, got it right the second time, I think, and uh, started my podcast because I got tired of all the BS stuff on the radio and I just wanted to uh, add my own little voice. And uh, uh, of course, you were my first guest and I do appreciate yes, that. Yes. So Yes, I and thank you for that honor, man, of, you know, the fact that you even thought I was cool enough to be your first guest was, you know. Oh, oh I, 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 I well, when I was thinking of who am I, I'm going to give my broadcast cherry to, of course, you know, like there, there's yeah, only one right. man. Lord Scoobius. No. Oh, what's up, Brody Lord. Kane, Johnny D, what up, fellas? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, mean, I can't say Lord Scoobius because you didn't call me Lord once the whole time I was oh, on that first Oh, my. Episode. Dude, you're still on that. <laughs> I'm never going to let that Lord go Scoob because that is forever. Lord that is forever in <laughs> podcast history. Rude. Yes. But you know what? I, I corrected it. Um. I corrected myself. I said my bad at least twice. So twice. it should it count. It counts. So. I guess. I guess it'll count. But, but you anyway. didn't call me by my title. So I'm just saying. You know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> You're not as cocky about the title as I am. So, you know. No. Nah. But tell us tell us a little bit more about like your show and you know, the they they can barely see behind your name there, but you got that uh dark side paranormal shirt going oh, on yeah. also so just give us a little bit of oh, breakdown oh, on here, that man there we go. Boom. okay um well my show is about my friends for my friends that's kind of how i describe it and i just like having interesting people on i know a lot of cool people artists musicians uh painters poets writers you know people on tv and i just wanted to give these people you know a chance to answer questions that they're not normally asked you know, anywhere from, you know, what was your first cell phone all the way down to, you know, when was the last time you cried in public? So, you know, or I, I, I try to change in that. Yeah, I, I mean, the, your, your little, <laughs> our, our little psychological uh, deep dive into your psyche. <laughs> uh, what, what was it? Just, just wet? <laughs> Yeah, just wet, just fucking wet. That that was it. If y'all haven't seen or listened to my uh, my show, it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get your uh, your podcast from. You find it on there. It's recycled corn. You see it because it has a big old corn right on the logo. <laughs> yeah, and so we the way that name came about, he Ben was just joking around, 
you know, with this name. And <laughs> his wife, Sandra, was like, no, you're not calling it recycled corn. And then when we, we started recording and Ben still did not have a name for the show. So <laughs> as soon as he started recording, he was like, welcome to the Recycled Corn podcast. And I was like, well, fuck, there you go. We can't you can't change it now. Like, it's yeah, too late. It it's been christened. Yeah. It it was one of those things where she just kind of looked at me and just like shook her head and you know I'm used <laughs> to that by now but it happens man it fucking happens so this episode of somewhat supernatural and you know I I haven't done anything I I, I can't say that you know I had this great adventure that I did this I did that I was on Gorn Moore this past Monday which was great. Two thumbs up for Gorn Moore, always. Uh, <laughs> with the fellows, they asked me to come on, and we uh, reviewed Alien, uh, Alien Three. So it was it was an honor to be on them, you know, on there with them because I haven't been on there in a while. But it it was nice to be on there. Um, but other than that, man, I just worked. I worked all week. It is almost summer vacation. Of course, I work for the school district, so I'm nice. really excited about that. But then I remember, I remember, I'm working summer school, so I don't get a vacation this year, which is fine. <laughs> Which is fine. It'll be my first year working summer school, but you know, it's uh, it's gonna be cool. Joseph said, "I am now starting my own podcast. My wrestling podcast is gonna be called The Count Out with JoJo." Oh, nice man. Let me know. Oh, nice. I'll, I'll I'll tune in. I'll tune in. You know, Ben and I are huge wrestling fans. So that sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah, I got my belts uh, right over. Right, you can't see them obviously, but I got the uh, big gold. I have a couple of independent, uh, real actually real belts. So. Those are cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Joseph actually asked me to be his manager in a promo that he's going to cut for one of his buddies' wrestling organizations or something. So I get to I get to bring out you know my old school persona of Draven Xavier, you know, my out back to life. So, <laughs> but with this episode of somewhat supernatural, I did something a little different than what I usually do. Yeah, not a problem, man. Um, I, I did something a little different than what I usually do. What I did with this one is uh, I um, wanted to do, you know, because I, I do some that, that are based in, in facts and stuff, but vampires are a very interesting subject across history um, because th th there's always been some kind of story about vampires. Um so with this one, this is really, I mean, it's really about real vampires in history um, from, you know, actual accounts that were recorded throughout history. And, you know, Ben and I were talking beforehand uh, before we went live. And I was like, you know, I, I wonder when all of this just kind of just died out and, and the vampire went from an actual fear of people to just a myth, just a legend, you know, and, and I, I think a big part of it has to do when we started embalming bodies, you know, because back then they didn't embalm the bodies. And so when they would dig them up, they would see these bodies in different states. And of course, you know, sometimes there's just special cases where bodies don't decompose the way, you know, normal bodies do. And they would think, oh, shit, there's a vampire. Let's fucking cut off the head and fucking stab him in the right. heart and shit, you know, so. But I mean, there are it's, it's just hard to dismiss the facts that are presented in, in the right. in some of these cases for vampires, you know. Um, so 
We're going to jump into it right now. Pale skin, sexuality, and a desire for blood. Vampires are the embodiment of our greatest, deepest desires and our worst fears, all wrapped into one beautiful, terrifying creature. Vampires exist in the area between the living, between living a dream and a never-ending nightmare. Vampires remain one of the most popular undead creatures to date, whether in books, in cinema, or tales. Vampires are a legend that will never die. Yeah, get that? Did you get like that? Vampires are a legend like that will never you, die. I like what you did there. Well, so, one of the things that I, that I find fascinating was, is how different cultures throughout the world, all over the world, came up with their own kind of vampire myths version. all around. Yep. Yeah, all around the same time. So it's kind of hard to say that these things weren't real at some point. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's that's what gets me the most is that every civilization had some form of a vampire, whether it was a, an actual like blood sucking vampire or like an energy driven vampire, because those are vampires too. You know, they, they can, vampires don't only just drink your blood. They can, you know, take away your life force as well. Right. That's Um, a good point. So the origins of a vampire, you know, you search that gray area between the living and the dead And there you will find the vampire more than any other supernatural being. The vampire has both frightened us and mesmerized us throughout the ages. Now, if you think, think back to, you know, the old school vampire movies that were scary, you know, like Nosferatu, Dracula, you know, those those types of movies frightened us, you know. But then nowadays you have like Twilight where they romanticize the hell out of vampires (laughs) and the vampire is no longer something that people fear. You know what I mean? Um, they only come out at night. Want to be? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Oh fuck! I, I, I still say between a werewolf and a vampire, I would still want to be a werewolf. I, I know I posted that question on Facebook a while back, and I, I'd want to be a werewolf. I, I don't know that I could not be in the sunlight. I don't really like the sun going outside during the day that much, <laughs> but you know, there's things I need to do during the day. So they only come out at night and possessed an animal magnetism unrivaled by any other supernatural being. Long fangs, pale skin, and the ability to shapeshift give the vampire powers most of us can only dream of. But the vampire we know now didn't always exist this way. So I, I, I went ahead and I put down a couple of different types of vampires throughout history. I didn't give specific dates on all of them or anything, but I went back and added a couple after you mentioned one that I had completely forgot about. So that's the first one. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, and that fucking awesome intro you wrote for me on fucking <laughs> Facebook was amazing. So I don't know. You want to read the first one, man? Since since you, that sure. was that was kind sure. of your go ahead and read it for us. So, uh, uh, Luca, is that right? Yes, sir. Luca? The Luca is a Hebrew word that means horse leech, a type of leech with many teeth that feeds on the throats of animals. According to biblical scholars, Aluka can mean blood-blessing monster or vampire. Aluka is first referred to in Proverbs 30 in the Bible. Uh, the most detailed description of Aluka appears in Sefer Chazdin, where the creature is understood to be a living, a living human being that can shape change into a wolf. It can fly by releasing its long hair and would eventually die if prevented from feeding on blood for a long enough time. Once dead, vampire can be prevented from becoming a demon by burying it 
was it by burying its mouth stuffed with earth or being buried yeah. with his mouth stuffed with earth solomon refers to female demon named aluka in a riddle he tells in proverbs the riddle involves aluka's ability to curse a womb bearing seed i guess it would be a baby yeah historically and that's a, you know what it's it's kind of fucked up that there a few of these other ones have to do with babies <laughs> and babies and newborns it's, it's fucking weird man well wouldn't you look at it as that since vampires are undead they got life force and what has more concentrated life force than a baby oh yeah i get that but the fact that a majority of these of these civilizations uh, you know that weren't even close to each other all centered around vampires having right. some kind of like urge you know or not urge but some kind of like lust for drinking or eating because some of them didn't even drink the blood they ate the whole damn baby so it's 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 just weird that that a lot of them you know kind of told those similar stories and what would you say like a cautionary tale about you know doing certain things and making sure you don't go certain places by yourself at night and well yeah i mean and and you that that's still till you know to nowadays we tell stories about oh don't do this because you know so and so did this and this happened you know what i mean and that's always been a thing especially like us growing up hispanic oh no, you can't be out late at night doing this because of lechusa or don't go by the river because la llorona you know what i mean and, and so it's right. kind of the same thing you know in a sense but there was actual history behind well, these, well, you know what i mean well now with the chupacabra would you consider that a type of vampire so uh, in a sense yes um i've never heard of a chupacabra attacking a human um it's mo- you know mostly farm animals but i mean they drink blood so i i mean right. that I mean, is a vampire you know what i mean that that is in you know in all essence what a vampire does they drink blood um right. but this you know the chupacabra i mean yeah he he would be a i guess a, a an animal vampire until he starts attacking humans if you know, you ever just like to see if, that shit. If and when. Yeah, if and when. But imagine that though, like you get bit and turn to a chupacabra and it doesn't that, have that the same suck. ring to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <I'm> a, <laughs> it would suck. I see what you did there. Nah. I'ma <laughs> suck your goat. I'ma suck your goat. So let's see. <laughs> Joseph said, wanna know my why vampires don't scare us? Because my mom scares me and I didn't take the chicken out once and it was still frozen. What the fuck? <laughs> All right, that, that'll do it. You yeah, should stop playing the video games and taking the chicken yep. out. That's what you get. That dude, way you learn. Sauce, that way you learn. Yeah, she gets mad at me too, dude. Like her, those are the two females that I'm most afraid of is my mom and my wife. Dude, she yeah. is, man. <laughs> she's she's hey, trying she to get down to the kitchen. She can get oh down in the God, kitchen yeah. over that. <laughs> I used to be skinny. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. No, he didn't. No, he don't let don't let him lie to you. <laughs> well, I didn't say so. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. He's right. He's right. All right. Continue. Let's 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 do this. Do you remember um, where you were? Let me see. Historically, um, Luca. Yeah, has been closely associated with Lilith, or thought to be her direct descendant. The name of Luca uh, may additionally merely be another title for Lilith. R.E.L. Masters describes Luca as a Hebrew succubus and vampire derived from Babylonian demonology. So that's a, that's kind of interesting. I've never heard of a Lilith referred to as a vampire. Well, I mean, 
if you see I, I've seen some artist renderings of Lilith that have her with like the fangs and you know what I mean? So right. she's more, you know, a lot of them ha- have her more on like the demonic side or whatever. But right. this next one, the it's called the Lily two. They're female drinking monsters originating in Babylonia. They're said to attack and destroy men while the male version, Lilu, prey on women and infants. See, there's mm. the infants again. Yeah, it seems it seems that over time, the Lilitu combined with stories of Mesopotamia's Lamastu and eventually morphed into Hebrew mythology's Lilith and her demonic children banished to the wastelands by God for refusing to be subordinate to her husband, Adam. Yes, the one from the garden. Lilith Hmm. arguably had a way cooler life in some people's eyes as an independent woman, queen of the demons and mother of monsters. As in her ancient roots, Lilith is known to drink blood, usually from babies. She also eats children. And alternate versions from from Sumer describe her as an infertile harlot whose breasts exude poison and who seduces men and drinks the blood of mothers and babies. She's said to have wings and the feet of a bird. Lilitu slash Lilith is also pluralized to describe a group of spirits or demons with the same attributes. She slash they are repelled with special amulets, which can still be found for sale today. So I didn't I didn't write this. So those of you who, you know, because I know there are people out there who worship Lilith. I didn't say any of this. This is not my personal opinions on Lilith. This is just what I found was written about Lilith. If you have a different experience with Lilith, you have a different version of Lilith that you like. That's that's fine and dandy. I'm just reading what I found. (laughs) CJ says, sounds like one of my exes. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, Joseph, Lilith is... um, Adam's, Adam's first, first wife. wife. Yeah, she she's uh she was Adam's first wife. She did not want to submit to Adam the way she was supposed to. So God banished her from the Garden of Eden and then created Eve. Supposedly. I don't I, I don't fucking know. I, I didn't I didn't get into it. So the next one that I talk that, that we have here is the now it's spelled weird. It's called the Vircolas, Vircolas, Vircolacas. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, that wasn't even the next one. I'm an idiot. It's the Lamai. In ancient Greece, they spoke of the Lamai, a race of vampire-like women. Here we go with women again. The story says after Lamia had children with Zeus, Hera cursed. Fucking Hera, dude. Hera's always doing some fucked up shit in ancient Greece. Hera cursed Lamia and kills the bastard children. Distraught at the death of her children, Lamia retreats to a cave and is cursed to drink the blood of innocent children. There we go with the children theme again. This transforms her from a beautiful woman she was to a creature with a sealy body and mismatched feet. I was supposed to put a picture here, but I didn't. Uh, where, <laughs> where Hera messed up was that when Lamia, when Lamia drank the blood of anyone, they were also then turned into a, lam- a lamai um, and were given the supernatural gift to shapeshift into beautiful women and then seduce unsuspe- unsuspecting men and murder them. So, you know, as Hera did back in the day, she put curses on women that Zeus would knock up, you know, because Zeus was a puto 
and Zeus liked sticking his dick in things he wasn't supposed to. But right. Hera never, you know, she never took it out on she never took it out on Zeus. She always took it out on, you know, on, on the innocent. So the uh, the next one is the vir, vir, God damn it. I said it good once. The Virkolka vir, vir, God damn it. Virkolakas. Virkolakas. There we go. The Virkolakas. Oh, we lost Ben there. So although the Lama, the Lamia did have some of the vampire traits, they were missing one key. One key one. They were not undead. In Greece, the Virkolakas were the undead who returned either to start new lives or to menace the living. Virkolakas can be destroyed by fire as many things can be destroyed. They can be destroyed by fire. We lost Ben there for a bit. I'll put him back on once his picture comes back up. Um, so the next one is the Kalisanzaros. Kalisanzaros. So they're most like today's uh, vampires and the true vampire of ancient times. The Kalisanzaros are children born between Christmas and the new year and are cursed to become vampires upon their death. So back in the day, regardless of if you were bit by a vampire or what the fuck was going on, if you were born between this time, there we go. We got Ben back. So if you were, you're good, man. No worries. It happens. So if you were born between the time of Christmas and New Year's, you were cursed to begin with. So anybody that you know that was born from December 25th, to January first, they're fucking demons. Okay. They're demons. Guess who's guess whose birthday is January? I'm sorry, December twenty fifth. Wifey sauce. Yep. Damn, she's see, she's, she's <laughs> a demon, and she's got those powers, dude. She's got those powers. Oh, and she does. She does. So, um, the people born in that time were usually feared <laughs> by everyone, though they're through oh, their shit, entire lives. What did she say? Oh, shit. So when they <laughs> died, they turned into a Calisanzoaros and lived in the underworld all year long, except for those two weeks. So they were able to return to the land of the living after they died during those two weeks because they were cursed in those two weeks. It, does, it didn't give me a, a, a description of why they were cursed or why. You know, they they were even thought to be evil for being born in those two weeks. But hey, we will work with it. The next one is a Pentagall. So perhaps the most terrifying of all vampires is the Malaysian version known as the Pentagall. Quite possibly the most freakish vampire throughout history is the Malaysian variant. What makes this version more fucked up than any other version is that it attacked pregnant women and newborns, but just strictly pregnant women and newborns, nothing else. Right. Um, where the hell was I? Another, oh, trait. another trait, another trait and possibly the most freakish is that it fucking detaches its head from its body. And then the head flies through the air with the entrails and the lungs and the heart, like fucking following, dangling. like, yeah. like dangling, like fucking while it's attacking its prey. So, and this motherfucker also spits venom. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, fuck that. And the only like way, a, the, the only way that, to kill this son of a bitch is to pour broken glass down the cavity of its body while the head is detached at night. So when the head returns and it tries to fucking go back in, it can't go back in. 
uh, because of the glass and shit that's there and it keeps cutting itself. So then fucking sunrise happens. Poof, this son of a bitch is gone. Like <laughs> how, what the fuck were you smoking when you fucking <laughs> came up with this shit? You know what I mean? Like that's fucking horrifying. Like, dude, I, I, I've seen a supposed video of one of these things flying around and it, it looks just as freaky as it sounds like, like for real, like, like what the fuck, dude? Like, I mean, man, like that, it just, if I was to see a fucking body standing there with no fucking head, like, and does the body just stand there? Does the body move also? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't say. It, it didn't tell me if the body moved around. Also, like, was yeah, the body yeah. off? You know, doing its own I, thing. I think, I think the, I think the body just stands there basically and waits for the top half. Like, the body just chilling basically while the the upper half goes and does its thing. But they said it spits blood or spits venom and all that. Like, yeah. Um. That well, that's how you know when to move, whatever, because you just hear. <sighs> Like that, so just get out the way. Yeah, fuck that. That's just that, <laughs> it's the thought. Like when I was when I was reading that, just the fucking thought of a fucking head flying at me, oh, trying. Well, I'm, I mean, it wouldn't I'm it ready. wouldn't attack me. Yeah, you're ready with your blade sword. I mean, and I got <laughs> I got things back there too. You know, I got my big ass Jason fucking replica machete over there. But uh, I just the fucking thought, dude of that like attacking i mean and a child would you know baby wouldn't have a way right. away from that yeah, you know no, no I mean? chance no chance yeah that's that's fucking vicious and you have to realize that this is based in some kind of fucking fact like you know where the fuck did this thing just pop out of you know what i mean and, and that's that's what freaks me out most about the supernatural is something had to have occurred where, where did this come from? Yeah, where did this exactly. belief come from? Somebody didn't just fucking make this shit up. And if they did, for it to last this fucking long, well played, sir or ma'am. Well played. You want to take the next couple maybe, ones? <laughs> maybe they had some, like, bad acid or something. I don't fucking know, man. I mean, this is back in the day, <laughs> so they had the good fucking so drugs back then. This next one is the Jiangxi or the Hopping Jiangxi. Vampire? Jiangxi. Jiangxi. Unable to walk due to rigor mortis, they hop, trying to catch their prey. They only walk at night, and if it lives, lives long enough, it will transform into a white-haired monster with the ability to fly. Although some things may stop it, a bullet, lightning, fire can end them. So that's that's kind of freaky, yeah, too. I'll, I mean, that was that variant see something. China. Yeah, fucking hopping. You know what I mean? Like some fucking just like. That one kind of made me laugh though, because like I just you know yeah, like, you're, you're like, like is that the Easter Bunny? Is that the Easter Bunny? <laughs> oh shit! It's Uncle Che. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Like like hopping. Like that's the best y'all can try to scare people. Like I don't know. This next one was interesting that was to me. This this next one was interesting to me because this one is a Celtic vampire, and I had no idea that there was a Celtic vampire. Dude, the Celts have everything. So almost always described as a beautiful woman, often with long hair and green clothing, as well as long nails and sometimes cloven hooves. My hooves. This one is <laughs> called the the Li, Li, Lianin, the Lianin Sea. Um, the Lianin Sea is often attracted uh, to creative men whom she inspires and slowly kills, sort of like a muse with uh, with a body count. 
Uh, like besides, yeah, besides inspiration, they can also bestow fame, luck, and wealth. Almost impossible to get rid of when she attaches herself to someone. The Lian and she visits her lover at night and is visible only to them. Lian and she, hmm. Lian and C, sorry, usually drain life force. C, so here's a life force draining one. Right. But they sometimes will also drain blood. Either way, their victim wastes away. The only way to escape from Lian and Shi is, is to reject them as soon as they're encountered, which enslaves them to you rather than the other way around. But do you still get the fucking fame and power? Because Lian and C, come see me, baby. What's up, girl? Let's get famous. Let's <laughs> like get famous. Like we ain't doing nothing, but you know you can yeah. help me out a bit. We, ain't, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you no at first, but then once you're my bitch, you're gonna help me out. You know what I'm saying? So now we're getting to uh, 12th century England, and this is where it gets interesting. It gets super interesting because these are actually like this is like actual shit. Like this is in history. Like there, you is can look this up. Fact. Yeah, this, these are books written on this stuff. That's nonfiction. <laughs> Go ahead and read it. Read this one. So 12th century England, monk William of Newburgh writes history and myth in the Historia of, was it Rerum? Was it Algicarum? Historia Rerum Algicarum. Agnicarum. Uh, that's, was it Latin? Yeah, it's Latin. It's a it's a five volume series that uh, that mentions the sanguis sanguis sanguisuga, which is Latin for blood suckers. Yeah, in the book he writes about a vampire at Melrose Abbey, where a former chaplain is said to have risen from the grave in search of flesh and blood. Sixteenth century Eastern Europe, Slavic regions. This is where our vampires are given life. Before this, Christianity and pagans in the ninth century developed vampire legends in the Balkans. Christianity began to take over the region, but superstitions and pagan beliefs stuck around mostly the belief in vampirism. The first instance of the word Upir soon became vampire. In 1047, a Russian document that caused Prince a wicked caused a prince a wicked vampire. So other terms during this time period, you know, um is uh for the Serbian term uparina or uparina, yeah. And then the upirve, which is Ukrainian, and then the vampir, which is Bulgarian. So the way that these va- the way that these vampires were different than the previous ones, and the reason I say these were what we know as vampires is these vampires are created through a curse on people excommunicated by the church such as violent death, suicide, improper burial, or death of an infant before it could be baptized. When vampire, when vampirism was suspected, the villagers would exhume the body of the dead, usually of someone who died within 40 days, and investigate for signs of vampirism. Now, there was something that said that within the 40 days, because it had something to do with Jesus or something, and, and, and the 40 days of something or other, I... I, it didn't make sense to me, and I read it a couple of times, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I didn't put it in here, but it, it had something to do with Jesus in the 40 days or something. And so within that 40-day time period, they were able to to come back from the grave, and you know, if they could feed, then they could live. Um, 
So what the 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 villagers would look for, um, they would look to see if the joints were movable because, of course, when you die, rigor mortis sets in. But what they didn't realize at the time was that later on, you know, if ever you've been dead a while, your joints eventually loosen up. You know what I mean? It's not like right. rigor mortis sets in and then you're stiff forever, you know? Um, but that was a sign that they thought, you know, contributed to, to vampirism. Um, there's signs of, if there were signs of blood around the mouth, which I mean, back then would be, I mean, it would happen because you, you, you the weren't starting to break down. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you know, you weren't taking out organs or anything. Um, and then long fingernails. So if there were any signs of this, a wooden stake would be driven through the heart, head or stomach of the corpse and keep them to keep them from rising again. The head was also cut off and placed between the feet for reburial. The body would also in cases be purified by fire, leaving nothing but ashes. And what they would do is once if they burned it, like if it was such a severe case of vampirism that they thought that the only way to get rid of it was to burn it, they would burn it collect the ashes in a sack and then dump it in a river to make sure that this ash was never able to form into a creature again. Would it, would it be up. funny if like when they uh, dumped it in the water, it just like rehydrated it and it became like an instant monster. Yeah. That'd be fucking, you know, that'd be <laughs> fucking hilarious. But you know, and, and like I said, it, it just, it weirds me out that for centuries, these things were real. You know what I mean? People right. believed in these 100%. Like they, they, they believed that vampires were real. Now, I, now I get that we are a more civilized civilization now, or are we? But at what point did the vampire go from just being a real life thing that people feared to just being a, a myth? You know what I mean? And it just, I don't know. It's it's just very interesting to me, especially doing this. So I, I think I'm gonna have to do a part two of the, of this of this show. You know what I mean? That this is this is something that I'm gonna have to dive deeper into, and you know, see what I can actually find. Maybe I can find an actual real life vampire and have them on the show. That'd be kind of fucking. That cool. would, yeah, that would be cool. Um, I and then I would need any... you on. I would need you on for that one because you have them hard hitting questions. Yeah, I know. We know Ben's camera froze, but uh, he still looks pretty there on on camera. So. Yeah, this this is the way I look best. Trust me. Yeah, this is this is gonna be an audio <laughs> podcast. It'll be the audio version will be up on uh you know projectlouder.net anyways. So it's cool. We can still see his face. It's all right. Shit happens. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna freak out. You know he's he's still here. We can still hear him as long as we can hear him. That's that's the most important thing. <laughs> So, real life vampire alert. Now it's time to talk about the factual vampires throughout history. And when I posted that I was going to talk about this, my cousin was like, like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bathory. And I was like, dude, that's actually the first fucking historical one I'm going to talk about. So, Elizabeth Bathory, for those of you who don't know who this bitch was, was a crazy, crazy bitch. All right. I like this bitch was crazy. My so favorite. she is also yeah mine too. I mean, I probably would have been <laughs> with her back in the day. I'm not lying. So, aka the Blood Countess was the first real life vampire, considered the first real life vampire. 
She was born in 1560 and raised in Transylvania. She secretly gave birth. Um, she secretly gave birth that she conceived with a parent, with a peasant. Uh, she then married Count Farin Nadasi, Nadasdi, Nadasdi, whatever. I don't know his fucking name. These fucking names are <laughs> weird, man. Why can't they have like simple names like Kevin? They, so yeah, they, they got to do all the vowels and consonants and all that. Yeah, no shit. So uh, he's a soldier fighting in the Ottoman War. And so Bathory's, you know, left alone in the castle to do whatever the hell she wants. Uh, Bathory is known for being extremely cruel to the staff in the castle. For instance, one girl was caught stealing fruit. And as her fucking punishment, she was tied naked to a tree and smeared with honey. Sounds hot. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, right. That's that's, right. that's All tied up, ready to go. Yeah, until you fucking realize that she fucking tied her to a fucking tree covered in honey so that the fucking animals and insects and shit would fucking eat her alive. And that's what they fucking did. They fucking ate her alive. Like, that's just fucking fucked up, man. So others were uh, would get strips of paper soaked in oil between their toes. And then Bathory would light the strips on fire and she would stick pins under the fingernails of certain people that pissed her off. Bathory was definitely the Karen of her time. I was about to say the OG Karen. <laughs> the OG Karen. She would definitely want to talk to the manager. The most unlucky of them all would be thrown naked and wet into the winter night to die of the elements. The Count was also a dick, though, and he dies in 1604, leaving Bathory to her cruel games and to come up with even more fucked up ways to torture people. So at this point, she was living in two homes in Slovakia and one home in Vienna. So she was going back and forth. Um, and at this point, she started to dabble in sorcery. So this because is where she was. She does. Yes. You know, that, that it makes sense. This is where the extreme bloodlust began for her. Um, she was scared to die and to grow old. So she would bathe in virgin blood. She would torture them and drain them of their blood in order to rejuvenate her ever aging flesh. But six years after the count died, this bitch's time is up and an official inquiry inquiry began to investigate her heinous crimes. But the ultimate goal behind this investigation was because they wanted to seize her property like that. They, they just wanted her land. They didn't give a shit about what she was doing. They just want the, the officials wanted to seize her property. Right. Uh, so during the inquiry, they they found bodies of about 50 and even found five living hostages that were being tortured at the time. There was also a book found with over 600 recorded murders that Bathory had killed over the years. 600 fucking people that she killed. Like. Talk dude, about overachieving. Exactly. Like, wow. So Bathory and her accomplices all suffered greatly for their crimes. One was beheaded. Others had their fingers pulled off and, wow. then, and then were burned alive. Bathory was walled inside a room in her castle. So they did keep her alive, but they fucked with her, you know, for, for years. Right. Uh, they left a slit to allow food and there was very little sunlight in the room. Uh, she lived for four years, uh, walled up and died in 1614. But I did not see if they took her body out of the room or if she's still in that fucking room. I don't know. I, I, I don't. But man, that that is insane. Like, OK, to kill that many people. First off, and she, to keep meticulous records. You know what I mean? Like she's. That's that's kind of 
wow. You know what I mean? Just yeah, like just, I mean, and all because she did not want to die. That's the thing. She didn't want to fucking die. So she would bathe in the blood of virgins. And I'm sure we've all seen these photos or artist renderings of her laying in the tub filled with right. blood. Or, you know, I'm sure there's models out there that have, you know, tried to recreate a very similar look, which is, you know, that it's cool and all. But this really fucking took place. And I didn't see that she drank the blood, you know, like like from the right. neck of people. But she definitely did bathe in it. You know what I mean? Um, so I just so the level, I don't know, I guess this was before the Internet. She didn't have nothing to do, so. Yeah, she didn't have shit yeah. to do. Yeah, people got to have hobbies, you know. So, so this next one is interesting. It's uh, the tale of Arnold Pauli, or Arnot Paul, in the original text. He was a Serbian who was believed to have become a vampire after his death, initiating an epidemic of supposed vampirism that killed at least sixteen people in his native village of Med, Medu, Meduena, located at the West Morava River in Trishnik, Serbia. I don't know if I said that right, but I'm just trying to pretend like I know what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> so, Paul's Pao, case became famous because of the direct involvement of the Austrian authorities. Like I said, this one is interesting. Right. And the documentation by Austrian physicians and officers who confirmed the reality of vampires. Their re their report of case of the case was distributed in Western Europe and contributed to the spread of vampire belief among educated Europeans. The report of its significance for the subsequent 18th century vampire controversy are now explained by the then poor understanding of the process of corpse decomposition. Knowledge of this case is based mostly on the reports of two Austrian military doctors, Glacier and Fluginger, who were yeah, thank you, who were successfully <laughs> spent, <laughs> who were successfully sent to investigate the case. Scholars have suggested that Paoli's case has influenced the depiction of vampires in popular cultured texts. This outbreak is only known from Flukinger's report about the second epidemic and its prehistory. According to the account, local, the locals uh, said Arnold, Arnold Paoli, who had moved to the village from the Turkish-controlled part of Serbia reportedly often mentioned that he had been plagued by a vampire at a location named Gosowa, perhaps Kosovo is what it says here, but that he had cured himself by eating soil from the vampire's grave and smearing himself with his blood. So I guess is that, was that his own blood or the vampire's blood? It, it didn't say it just said with his blood. So I don't that's what I was about to say. I don't know if it was his blood it had to have been the vampire's blood. You know what I mean? Why would you smear yourself in your own fucking blood? So about 1725, he broke his neck in a fall from a hay wagon within 20 or 30 days of his death. Four people complained that they had been plagued by him. These people all died shortly thereafter. So people said they saw him. 
And then those fucking people died like shortly after. Hmm. Um, it was then remembered that Arnold had often related, ha- had often related in the ev- environs of Casanova and on the Turkish Serbia. He had often been tormented by a Turkish vampire. He also relayed that he attended. Oh, I already read that shit. What the fuck am I saying? My bad. Uh, where the fuck was I at? Oh, so 10 days later, 40 days after Arnold's death, the villagers advised by their had Hadneck, a military administrative title, who witnessed such events before, opened the grave. They saw that the corpse was undecomposed. He had been dead for 40 days already, and he was already undecomposed, or he, he hadn't had any decomposition. With all the indications of an arch vampire, his veins were replete with fluid slash blood, and the fresh blood had flowed from his eyes, nose, mouth, and ears, and that the shirt the covering and the coffin were completely bloody that the old nails on his hands and feet along with the skin had fallen off and that new ones had grown further. His body was red. His hair and nails and beard had all grown again, concluding that Paoli was indeed a vampire. They drove a stake through his heart. And when they did this, the fucking body screamed when they fucking impaled him. That's insane. Yeah, it fucking <laughs> let out a shriek as if it, if it were alive, groaning and bleeding, and then they burned the body. Uh, so that being done, they cut off the head, uh, burnt the whole body. They disinterred Paoli's four supposed victims and performed the same procedure to prevent them from becoming vampires as well. So this was well fucking documented um, by the government and... They fucking basically said, fuck yeah, this is this this dude's a fucking vampire. This shit really happened. Now see that the part where they said that it screamed, that's a part that really got me because most of most of the other stuff can be explained. Know yeah. I mean, like like you know, as far as like the 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 fluid and the blood and you know coming out the eyes and the nose and all that, like like we said earlier, once rigor mortis um you know lets lets the body go everything starts becoming pliable again, including the blood, which, you know, can seep out through all the orifices. Yeah. But for it to scream when they put the the stake through the heart, I mean, that's kind of a little bit more difficult to explain. Yeah. And, and so when I, when I read that one, I was like, holy fuck, like that's, that, that's, to me that I've never heard that before. You know, I'm, of course we've seen it in fucking movies where they fucking, you know, stake the vampire and the vampires like, ah, you know what I mean? But to actually know that it happened in real life and that the, the police were involved. In yeah. So the next person was the V, the V count de Morive, the, the, the Viscount de Morive. This man kept his wealth, positions, and estates throughout one of the bloodiest and most violent portions of French history. A cruel man who hated those he deemed the common folk. This dude was a dick. He enjoyed executing those who worked for him one by one. His evils eventually caused him to be assassinated. So they fucking dealt his ass. So after his death, 
uh, as those who lived under his fearful reign of terror relaxed and returned to normal, fucking kids started dying. Over the next 70 years, 70 fucking years, many children of those who lived in the estate kept dying. And all the reports indicate that all of the victims had puncture wounds from the from jagged teeth of a vampire in their neck. Toward the end of the 1870s, the Morives descendants became interested in the persist in pers- the persisting rumors that their grandfather was in fact a vampire. He had the family vault opened and invited local dignitaries and religious leaders to investigate the contents of the tomb with him. All of the other corpses interred in the vault had become decomposed as normal, but the Viscount's coffin was open and he was found to be in the same condition as he had been the day he was interred with no sign of decomposition after 70 years. Okay. It says 70 years. 70 years, no fucking none, nothing, no decomposition at all. So, um, with no sign of decomposition, his body was removed from the tomb and a stake was driven through its beating heart. I don't know if their heart was really beating or not, but that's what they said it was beating. So as the blood poured from the wound and the corpse cried out in pain, he was beheaded and his remains were burnt. After the Viscount had been destroyed, there were no more unnatural child deaths on the estate. There are those who believe that de Morvives was... Born in Persia, married to an Indian, and then moved to France. It is also believed that his wife brought his vampire uh, vampirism from the east. So, okay, now, why did it take seventy years for them to investigate this? Well, that's, you gotta that's think. my main question. Well, you got to think th- this isn't some small ass. You know, it wasn't some small ass fucking village where there were superstitions of vampires and, and all that shit. You know what I mean? So maybe they just finally fucking said, fuck, maybe, maybe homeboy's a fucking vampire and they fucking decided to fucking dig him up. You know what I so mean? You think, you think it was like all political? Like, no, there's no way that my, you know, grandfather or father, or whatever could, could be a vampire. So no, I'm not even going to entertain this. I mean, it's possible. You know what I mean? And then one day he said, fuck it, let's open it up. And, you know, like I said, there are cases where you can open a tomb and the body looks like it just fucking died it happens but, there are not after seven decades 70 fucking years like there's <laughs> no fucking way and then they said too that when they did the stake the body screamed so right and and, and beating heart and all this like yep. that's that's a little difficult to explain yeah and again this is factual this happened in history this is not just some fucking made-up fucking story somebody told no this actually fucking happened and so next Benny, I'm going to let you take right here with our the most famous, the most famous vampire in history. And I want to say my personal favorite. I, I love this man. I can't say that I love what he did, but I will go to his castle one day and I God damn it. I'm going to fucking make it happen. Yeah, and we'll be there with you. And of course, we were talking about Dracula, Vlad the third, most commonly known as Vlad the Impaler. Not to be confused with his cousin, Vlad the Inhaler. <laughs> Bazinga! <laughs> Vlad was was a Vovorodi Wallachia three times. Wallachia. Between, well, I'm sorry? It's Wallachia. Wallachia? Okay, there you go. Three times between 1448 and his death. 
He is often considered one of the most important rulers in Wallachian history and a national hero of Romania. He was the second son of Vlad Dracul, who became the ruler of Wallachia in 1436. Vlad and his younger brother Radu were held as hostages in the Ottoman Empire in 1442 to secure their father's loyalty. Vlad's father um, and eldest brother was it Marcia were murdered after John Hunyadi, regent governor of Hungary, invaded Wallachia in 1447. Hunyadi installed Vlad's second cousin, Vladislav II, the new Voivode. Hunyadi launched a military campaign against the Ottomans in the autumn of 1448, and Vladislav accompanied him. Vlad That's broke into name. That's a badass name, Vladislav. What is your name? My name is what is love. That I mean, depends on how you say it. That that can get you some. You know what I mean, I'm I know, right? Anything. Yeah. What's your name? <laughs> Hello there. My name is what is love. Was it a what is love, baby? Is don't love, hurt, don't me. hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Vlad is returned, and Vlad sought refuge in the Ottoman Empire. Um, before the end of the year, Vlad went to Moldavia in 1449 or 1450 and later to Hungary. Relations between Hungary and Vladislav later deteriorated, and in 1456, Vlad invaded Wallachia with Hungarian support. Vladislav died fighting against him. Vlad began to purge among the Wallachian boyars to strengthen his position. He came into conflict with Transylvania Saxons, who supported his opponents that Dan, Dan out of all these weird names I have to have a Dan <laughs> Dan Ambassarb Loyota who are Vladislav's brothers and Vlad's illegitimate half brother Vlad the monk Vlad plundered the Saxon villages taking the uh, captured people to Wallachia where he had them impaled which inspired his cognomen peace was restored in 1460 the Ottoman Sultan Mehmed II ordered Vlad to pay homage to him personally, but Vlad had the Sultan's two envoys captured and impaled. In February 16, oh, sorry, 1462, he attacked Ottoman territory, massacring tens of thousands of Turks and Bulgarians. Mehmed launched a campaign against Wallachia to replace Vlad with Vlad's younger brother, Radu. Vlad attempted to capture the Sultan at Tabgaviste yeah, during the night of 16, 17 June. 1462. That's when Columbus Sultan, was sailing the ocean blue. Uh, huh. Yeah, oh, wow. Isn't that weird to think that these yeah. were going on that, at the same time? That's going on while Columbus is fucking not he's discovering like, I, America because he didn't discover shit. But you know what I mean? While he's on his boat. Wouldn't it be funny if he saw what's going on? People getting impaled being like, I'm out. He's like, just, I'm out. <laughs> I see you on the other side of the of the world. He gets on his boat and is a boats and hoes, boats and hoes. <laughs> I'm on a boat. <laughs> See, uh, Vlad went to Transylvania to seek assistance from Matthias was Corvin, it? Uh, Corvinus. Corvinus, king so, of Hungary. I had no idea that Corvinus was an actual historical character. I've heard the name Corvinus because my dad loved the Underworld movies. Right. And, you know, that was like the Corvinus bloodline in the fucking movie and shit. So oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know that was a fucking real thing. Anyways, continue. <laughs> um, in 
Carvinus had him in prison. Vlad was held uh, in captivity in Visegrad from 1463 to 1475. During this period, anecdotes about his cruelty started to spread in Germany and Italy. He was released at the request of Stephen III of Moldavia in the summer of 1475. He fought in Corvinus's army against the Ottomans in Bosnia in early 1476. Hungarian and Moldavian troops helped him to face Basarb Laiota, who dethroned Vlad's brother Radu, to flee from Wallachia in November. Barsab returned with Ottoman support before the end of the year. Vlad was killed in battle before 10 January 1477. Books describing Vlad's cool acts were among the first bestsellers in German-speaking territories, because, of course, they were. Of course. In, in Russia, popular stories suggested that Val was able to strengthen central government only through applying brutal punishments, and a similar view was adopted by most Romanian history, historians in the 19th century. Vlad's reputation for cruelty and his patronomic um, inspired the name of the vampire Count Draculia. Count Draculia. Yes. So, you know, he, he did a lot of fucked up things. Uh, Vlad did. You know what I mean? Um, right. Uh, but he he did what he did for power. He did what he did for his country. You know what I mean? Can you really blame the dude? Yes, I mean, you can. Because I was say, yeah, yeah. But, you know, th there were ways to... Um, to, to secure your empire through other means. And I guess, you know, he'd rather rule through fear. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. I mean, I, th that's how I would do it. I mean, yeah, on. but you, but you're a Sith. So <gasps> I'm not, I'm a great Jedi. <laughs> I'm a great Jedi. Well, it's right. just for men now. So you can change it back to black. <laughs> <laughs> so this last one, okay. This last one takes place on our side of the pond. All right. And this is Mercy Brown. This is the Mercy Brown, not to be confused with Murphy Brown. Mercy <laughs> Brown. So in Ex Exeter, Rhode Island, several members of George and Mary Brown's family suffered a sequence of tuberculosis infections in the final two decades of the 19th century. Tuberculosis was called consumption at the time and was a devastating and much feared disease. The mother, Mary Eliza, Eliza, was the first to die of the disease, followed in 1886 by their eldest daughter, Mary Olive. In 1891, Mercy and son Edwin also contracted the disease. Friends and neighbors of family believe that the one of the dead family members was a vampire, although they did not use that name and had uh, it had caused Edwin's illness. This was in accordance with threads of contemporary folklore, which linked multiple deaths in one family to undead activity. Consumption was a poor understood condition at the time and the subject of much superstition. George Brown was persuaded to give permission to exhume several bodies of his family members. Villagers, the local doctor and the newspaper reporter exhumed the bodies on May 17, 1892. The bodies of both Mary and Mary Olive exhibited the expected levels of decomposition, so they were thought not to be the cause. However, the corpse of a daughter of the daughter Mercy exhibited almost no composition and still had blood in the heart. This was taken as a sign that the young woman was undead 
and the agent of young Edwin's condition. Her lack of decomposition was more likely due to her body being stored in freezer-like conditions in an above-ground crypt during the two months following her death. As superstitions dictated, Mercy's heart and liver were burned, and the ashes were mixed with water to create a tonic and was given to sick Edwin to drink as an effort to resolve his illness and stop the influence of the undead. So basically, they burned his sister's fucking heart and said, hey, drink this shit because she's a vampire and she's what's fucking making you sick. And if you drink this, you're going to live, you know, you're going to be cured. So he died two months later. So what remained of Mercy's body was burned in the cemetery of the Baptist church in Exeter after being desecrated. Wow. The tomb is still there to this day. Like you can go and visit the grave. Cause I guess they put the ashes back where the fucking grave was or whatever, but they, they didn't really have any other sign. You know what I mean? Other than right. Like they never saw her. They never, you know what I mean? But this is as, you know, as close as a real vampire story here in America that, that we get, you know, in the, in the old days, but could she have been a vampire? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially with everything that was going on overseas. You got to think back in that time, people are still migrating, you know, over here. And, and so who knows, man? It, it was uh, <laughs> feeling a little ashy. <laughs> Joseph said, I guess you can say he was feeling a little ashy. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So I have a couple questions. All right. Yes, sir. What was the first vampire you remember hearing about? Was it a book? Was it a movie? Was it a show? Was it a comic? It, it was a movie, of course. It was, it was Dracula, the uh, the one with the uh, widow's peak. Yes, the old school. And then, uh, you know what? It might have been the monsters, actually. Now, now that I think about it, yeah, because Grandpa the, the Munster, father, yeah, Grandpa, yeah. Grandpa Munster had the uh, the to the was it a stereotypical vampire outfit and. Mm-hmm. I think that might have been it. And then and then I was introduced to the movie monster. I want to say for me, it was probably in a book. Um, so we used to have these books in when I was in elementary. I wasn't allowed to watch scary movies when I was a kid. Go figure now. <laughs> but um, I used to read a lot of books when I was a kid. And there was this series of books And I remember the covers. They were orange and like black and white. I don't remember the name of them, but one of them was Dracula. And it was basically like a short version of the movie Dracula in a children's book, but with actual like pictures from the movie. And that is where I got my first taste of vampires. And then, of course, you know, Lost Boys, you know, things like that, which fucking to this day i fucking love lost boys you know what so, i mean that, so so you didn't see any vampire movies but then you went straight into lost boys i want to say that was probably one of the first vampire movies that i saw was lost boys like i well monster squad was, that, oh yeah monster squad i, I did is, see monster squad but monster squad was more you know it had all the monsters in it of course you know dragula was in there too but it wasn't strictly a vampire right. movie. Yeah, I, I want to say Lost Boys was probably the very first like 
Because that was kind of vampire. intense for back then. That, that was an intense movie, especially for a kid back then. Oh, yeah, dude. You know? Yeah, 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 man. But I, I want to say that's the, that's probably the first vampire movie that I ever saw that, like, I was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. And then, of course, there's fucking, like, Near Dark and fucking, you know, it just, the list goes on and on from there. Uh, Fright I, Night. I fucking loved Fright oh, Night. Oh, dude, Fright Night was so badass, dude. Like, when she turned around and had that, you know, that, that big old... You know, scary, small, yeah. whatever. Yeah, that fucking. That actually, when I was a kid, that actually freaked me out. You know, I I didn't realize that that was just something they put over her mouth at the time. You know, I didn't know what special effects were back then. Yeah. So that kind of freaked me out. Yeah. So last question that I have here, with <clears throat> excuse me, with these real life documented cases, do you think that the vampire was real and died out, or could they still be around? I'm guessing they could still be around, especially, you know, these these movie monsters, whatever, had to get inspiration from somewhere. Yeah. You know, as far as uh, uh, maybe there's some kind of, quote unquote, secret society of vampires living underneath, you know, the normal society. And, and you know, so that's why some people just up and disappear. You know, yeah. they're just, you know, food, basically. Especially with all of the... Uh, homeless population out there i mean who, who's going to care if they you know disappear yeah, so i mean there's a readily a readily readily supply of food available so yeah yeah and i i like i said man i think that they used to be real i'm i'm not saying that there's not real vampires out there now because you know there are um but i think what changed a lot was the fact that we started embalming our bodies. We say it's for preservation of the body, but why do we say that? We say that because that's what we're told. What, what if, you know, they started embalming bodies for a different reason to right. keep them dead. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, what better way to keep the dead dead than to remove everything that's inside of them that could potentially get right, them to come back. Because if it's a bloodborne disease, you remove the blood, there's, you know, no monster. Yeah. So, vampires became mainstream after Dracula was published. Since then, Count Dracula's legendary persona has been the topic of many films, books, and television shows. Although modern science has silenced the vampire fears of the past, people who call themselves vampires do exist. They're normal seeming people who drink small amounts of blood in an effort to stay healthy. Given the fascination people have with all things horror, vampires, real or imagined, are likely to continue to inhabit the earth for many years to come. Ben, I want to thank you for being on my podcast. I know you were very iffy about being on a video podcast. You didn't want people <laughs> to see your beautiful face, but... I want to thank you for being, you know, you, you, you had me on your podcast and, you know, I, I am, I have the honor now of having you on my podcast and I want to thank you for that, man. Um, of course. So anytime you want to come back, you're more than welcomed. Once again, give the people a little bit about uh, your, your podcast and where they can find it and what you have coming up. All right. My uh, podcast, of course, is the Recycled Corn Podcast. Uh, we're about at eight episodes in. Each of them is at around two hours. So if you got time, you can find out a little bit more uh, about Lord Scuba and uh, some of my other friends. And uh, my wife is actually on there too on a couple of episodes. And it's uh, 
like I describe it, a, a podcast about my friends and for my friends. And if you listen and if you participate, then I consider you a friend. So please tune in. You can find me on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much all of the major podcasting platforms. And I appreciate you allowing me to uh, plug my little things there. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. No problem, man. Uh, it, it, I, that's what this is for. This is an open platform. So I love having my guests on here. You know, that way you guys can plug your stuff, too. As always, the audio version of Somewhat Supernatural and all of the other Project Louder podcasts are available on projectlouder.net. Um, this one will probably ups, be up sometime next week. I know we have a, a holiday coming up on Monday. Uh, so it's, it's Memorial day on Monday. So, you know, be thankful for all of those that didn't get to make it home. Um, yes, 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 definitely. So thank you for tuning in. I will see you guys in two weeks for the next episode of somewhat supernatural. It's a toss up between two subjects. I'm not sure if I want to do Persian demons or if I want to do werewolves, we'll find out. I'll let you know in a couple of weeks. See you then. Stay spooky, baby. Mm -hmm.